Hello and welcome to a new episode of Left on Red. Very exciting this week, we've got a little collaboration going. We are back with another episode quite soon after the last one. And we're here with Laith from the Guna. And we're getting going. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us on your on your podcast guys. We're um we're back with Guna Fanzine TV with a little um association this year. We're gonna um gonna got a couple of things going on that was gonna be um of interest to you hopefully. We're gonna talk about obviously Arsenal Watford, aren't we? So yeah. shoot with that and we'll have a chat. Sweet. So I wasn't very happy today. What overall? Overall. I was quite I was saying to my dad on the way to the game that the the atmosphere felt very different. It felt like things had properly changed, like there wasn't the same tension. It was like everyone was there for a good day out. Sunday two PM as well, though. Yes. But you know, I think people were alright about that and then it felt good going into the ground and then but quite quickly it sort of seemed to change a little bit. I don't think it was a negative performance. I thought there were some some good bits, but I also think that the fact that we should have won 4-0, I keep on banging on about it, really... Yeah, I don't know where you've re- come up with this. Well, no, it's, I've not come up with it. Aubameyang's, you know, the culprit for, for three goals that we should have buried. So you've got the Saka goal, which was given offside because Aubameyang has a bad touch, which leads to the ball going into Saka's pathway. Yeah. And then the, the offside rule where you have to be offside by two players when the goalkeeper's yeah. involved was the reason he was offside. You've got the missed penalty and Odegaard's goal, which was on the line, it was going in, he's decided yeah. to touch it from an offside position as the ball was on the line. So on another day, on most other days, we would have won 4-0. Yeah. So I think if, if there's any negativity, it's more so that we didn't win 4-0 than... The performance wasn't at its best, but it no. wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't awful. I just I thought after that penalty miss, the atmosphere sort of really seemed to change. I don't know whether you got a picture of that more from the media section like yeah yeah it was one of those games where you just look back and you think yeah well, I'm glad we got the win and yeah, um, yeah. performance was almost secondary really but we just made it really difficult for ourselves we, yeah. we, did, we should never miss a penalty it's so frustrating when that happens we obviously had Saka's goal that was disallowed yeah. prior to that as well there was chances that, that we should have put away and could have put away and as you said about Aubameyang as well with um, if he'd have just left the ball and I suppose you could argue that's a striker's instinct to do that with a Odegaard shot but at the same time it was so frustrating to, to see that as yeah. well and um, yeah I mean I used to watch Arsenal Watford in the 80s and there was a there was a whole raft of games where Watford would always beat us so I never yeah. I never think that beating Watford is an easy thing to do really no I, know, um, I mean especially with all the Troy Deeney shithousery in, in recent years <laughs> there's no yeah. love lost between the two no. teams uh, absolutely it's interesting as well because I did um, I covered um, Watford Liverpool a couple of weeks ago and yeah. that was Ranieri's first game and that first 45 minutes they were dreadful absolutely dreadful oh, they played 4-5-1 and it was yeah. um, they were all over the place they played 4-5-1 today as well by I way. thought it was more 4-1-4-1 well, Sosako in the middle and yeah, he, no, he, he absolutely he nailed it in terms of party not being there and yes, he, yeah. he bossed the he was he was like he was in the middle but he had they had two midfielders and two wingers and then when they countered the wingers would go high and it was a free midfield it was, a, it was it's very similar oh yeah if you'd have seen how badly they played it was awful against yeah, them yeah. so bad and it was completely different i thought but um yeah quite you know, good at everton though yeah five two josh king that chance at the end as well with yeah, um, ben yeah. white and um ramsdale with the, the little cock up there ramsdale's He's obviously got his feet on the ground. He's a big character. He's going to do really well for England. He's going to play in the international break, hopefully. But he's got to be careful with stuff like that because that could have cost us. Yeah. Josh King's on fire, like you say, that 5-2. He was, he was brilliant that brilliant. day. With, with that misunderstanding between White and Ramsdale, my mind went straight to the Birmingham um, Cup final in 2011. And I was saying to my dad, Hull as well. Do you remember when Fabianski came rushing out of his goal yeah, in, yeah. Uh, 
Aluko had one cleared off the line by Gibbs in extra time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that game again. Yeah, it was just. Yeah. We've had quite a few of them. Yeah, I've almost removed them from my mind because it's too painful. Basically, <laughs> and that could have been another one today. Yeah, so, I'm sure we'll yeah, touch. We well. I'm sure we'll touch on it, but. Josh King, I think, was one of the leaders of their continuous diving and rolling around. Him oh, and Gabriel went into so a lot of 50-50s and he would go down and he was asked, he was begging the ref. I was keeping my eye on him a little bit. There were numer- I'm sure we'll go into it. There are numerous Watford players playing their games today, which really frustrated me. Yeah, I mean, I, from where I was sitting, I, I thought there was a good duel between Gabriel and um, Ismail Assar. And yeah. I remember he was at Rennes. I remember doing a game at Rennes. I remember driving over there to, to France to cover the Europa League game a couple of years back and he scored and beat us 3-1 over there. We had an absolute stormer. Mm. Make the Niles played really well in the second leg and beat him 3-0. But I've always sort of kept tabs on him. He's done all right for Watford. Nothing too special, but Gabriel had him in his pocket. Was he away leg? The one where Bamiang's whipped out the Black Panther mask? No, that, that was, was the home leg. leg. That was the home leg. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then we beat him 3-0. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, I was saying to, to my brother as well after the game, that it's one of those sort of games where the whole week you're, you're looking at sort of other results and we were assuming that West Ham would lose to Liverpool, which they didn't. But, you're looking at that and you're thinking, oh, if we win, we're level on points for top four. We're six points off the top. We're this and that. Yeah, and I remember mental. so many games like that in the past where we've looked at them and been like, oh, if we win this, we go five points clear. And you just you just but end honestly, up going and lose. Yeah. We end up going well, it, and losing. Well, it felt like there was sort of an eeriness after Aubameyang missed his penalty. Yeah. And my mum said to me, we're going to draw this game 1-1. She said she's got a feeling, and I had it as well, it was kind of, you've missed so many clear-cut, like, High XG chances. I know we don't like XG and whatnot, but nine out of ten <laughs> Leif times, Leif does Leif not Leif like XG. Let's Leif not get onto it, lads. You were allowed to. You see, you are. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean. You no. play Anthony Martins on Sunday morning. You're not going to go out there centre forward. No. We're expecting to score two. No, but goals I'm there right. analysing expected goals, mate. That's that's my no, tactics. No, but you get what I mean. Nine out of ten times we would have scored those three goals, which we should have scored today. So that's what I mean. It builds into that sense of I might just not be. Our day and Watford might hit us on the counter or score a set piece or something. Yeah. So there was that kind of feeling, and then the relief in Smith Rowe's celebration, and then the chance started coming along, and it was a nice little last twenty minutes. We had to dig in a little bit, but yeah, oh, it was yeah, a I nice mean, last twenty minutes. Okay, it was a nice five minutes of singing afterwards. I yeah, it was that. a nice five minutes. I, I mean, after the absolutely horrendous August we had, I've just literally started looking at the league table again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I say, so weird to see where. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having been twentieth on zero points, yeah. scored zero goals. So, so now be fifth, two points yeah. off top four, six points off first. Yeah. And I'm always going to start doing the behind Liverpool. And that's crazy. Yeah, like, how crazy. does that work? It yeah. doesn't. I mean, it does, but it's just mental when you consider, like, on the way up to Burnley, yeah, we were yeah. what, like seventeenth or something in the league <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah, three yeah. points or something. Well, I think, I think the truth's going to come out in the next couple of weeks, isn't it? After the international break, when we will go up to Anfield and then yeah. and Old Trafford and Old Trafford as well. But I mean, we've been saying that after every game, okay. Spurs is a test, Leicester's a test, yeah. and we keep on passing them. So if we, you know, drop points where Anfield, I don't think we should go, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's not working. If the wheels come off and they tonk us like 4 5 one, yeah. as they have done recently. Okay, but if we lose 1 0, 2 1, or draw, or something like that, uh, yeah. and the performance is decent, then. I don't know. It's, just the, it's the Christmas period that always tests teams like this. Wow. Well, because yeah, we've got was... Liverpool, then Newcastle, and then you've got United on a Thursday, Everton on a Monday. Three days different to Wales games from like, that point. Yeah, yeah, but I suppose we haven't got Europe, so it's. You know, it's not as crazy as it could be, but yeah, and we've always just had a really bad November, haven't we? Yeah, November. I thought I was looking. It's the it's the month where we average the lowest amount of points. Yeah, I think we average yeah. like one point two points a game in November. Yeah, so even going back yeah. to the days where we were like first in the league until Christmas or something, and it was yeah, start yeah. to go downhill in November. Just before we move on to our sort of tactics section, I was wondering if we could get Leif's sort of 
analysis of what his matchday experience is generally doesn't have to be even this game from where you sit and the role that you do in matches and stuff like that blimey I mean yeah it depends which decade you're talking about if it was the 80s <laughs> or 90s it would literally be down the pub for four hours before kickoff, make kickoff just you know after the first then the whistle um, and stagger through a game yeah whether it's on the terraces on the in, in the stands but nowadays obviously I'm fortunate enough to be a be a journalist and I cover the games, a lot of games in the press box and um, I know how lucky I am. Um, Can we just say me and Lola are very grateful for like the connections and the tickets and the stuff <laughs> yeah, that you're, you're doing Leif with Leif has us. been the main reason that the 38-game <laughs> season has, has stayed on. Oh, uh, no. Well, you can't watch a team for 40 years and not meet a few people and get a few contacts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been great. It's given me a new lease of life, giving you guys lifts to away games and stuff. And um, Yeah, we get, yeah. You get more people in the Goonamobile. It's yeah, not, it's not just you and your oasis. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all good fun. I live and breathe arse. When I'm in the press box, I try and be as neutral as possible while sort of, you know... Um, Especially in the away end. Oh, wait, I mean in the away stadiums. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, home away, it doesn't really matter, but you have to be as, as neutral as you can in the press box. But at the same time, you are writing for your readers. And prior to kick-off, even these days, I'm, I'm actually selling the Gooner outside in the Arches yeah. on, on Hornsey Road. Yeah, so, if, you um, any, if you ever hear anyone go, get your Gooner, get your Gooner, that'd be <laughs> yeah, that'd be me. So thank you very much. I mean, absolutely humbling the, the amount of goodwill that we get from mm. from everyone that comes along and buys a copy as well. It's absolutely astounding. So obviously, no rights for us. And um, you're going to be writing in print as well. Yeah. Have been, so more, more long might continue, basically. But yeah, it's all good fun. It's... That's the thing, Arsenal's a family, it's a community there, there's a lot of really loyal gooners, whether they're young, old, you know, whatever, it's um, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's in the blood basically, and um, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, I was going to say sort of something that um, that you've had over the last couple of years that me and Harry haven't had, I, I mean, obviously you've, you've been there for a lot more games than us, but you were there throughout those lockdown games, and I was wondering what your sort of like what your perspective of that was because it must have felt really weird yeah very good question um, yeah I probably did about 60, 65 games mm. during the whole lockdown um, when there was no fans there and what's the old phrase football without fans is nothing that's what yeah. it felt like it just felt like glorified training sessions all yeah because I, mean, I suppose was... you get a bit of a feel of it off TV you know if it's on it's on Sky and you've got the Premier League logo there you sort of think oh this is a Premier League game Whereas if you're actually there and there's so, actually no one around. Yeah. It's like going down the park and watching a football match, I suppose. Obviously a much higher level, but that sense that you're just on a pitch yeah. and you can yeah. you can hear nothing, just the players and the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the best things about it. The fact you could hear the coaching staff talk and then shoot instructions and, mm. and hear the sort of conversations that were going on. But apart from that, there was no positives at all. It, well, was, I think, it was just glorified training. Sessions. I think one thing that ties into sort of football is nothing without the fans is the fact that the tactical side of the match was, I think, over... Um, exacerbated in that period and there was a lack of intensity and pressing and tackling mm. because I think coaches thought what well, we don't have the fans getting on our backs so if we don't worry about that so much we can really really try and drill into our players what we want out of them yeah. but the game lost a little bit of passion and fight within that yeah because well, I, yeah. was, I was saying to you actually when um, I thought Odegaard didn't have a great game when we played at home to Spurs and I was saying to you that he might have got quite a different picture of the North London derby because he's, he's played in one with, with no fans and yeah. the, the passion and the intensity and the aggression just isn't there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it just even in the simple things like a throwing, if you if you take the throwing down the corner near the near the away fans or, or in a sort of hostile home stadium, you're gonna get sick basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just picking them up and throwing the balls and yeah. it was yeah. training there's so many little things that, that basically denuded the fact that it wasn't a proper match day experience. It wasn't that as you said, the intensity was missing basically, and yeah, it's yeah. great to have fans back because it really does let the players, you know, just gives them a bit of a 
bit of a kick out the backside, really, in terms of that intensity. And it's and, great to see. And just to touch on the fan base, I think we're starting to really build a good connection with Arteta and the squad that we have at the moment. I think the new players have injected um, a lease of life into the connectivity between fans and players. I think Ramsdale and Ben White have really sort of charged the team to come towards us at the end of matches and Ramsdale gives a fist bump and yeah. there's a lot of clapping and singing, especially in the away end. Yeah. And it feels like there's a lot more emotion on the players' behalf. They all seem to yeah. care so much more this season. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see there is a bond there. And um, yeah, honestly, fans have been brilliant this season in terms of getting behind their team. I think Arteta has had a bit of a pass in terms of last season, losing yeah. 10, 11 games what he was in the league. Yeah. If that had happened in front of fans last season, I'm not sure he'd have been there yeah. here still now, but basically. Maybe we'll, we'll be thanking the heavens for that yeah, the absolutely. when we yeah. lift the trophy. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's hope so. But yeah, I, I think he did get away with last season, yeah. which is great because now everyone's unified over those communities. Yeah, exactly. gone there. And also and he's, been, he's been given time to develop a team that now is starting to look quite proper. It's yeah. so moulded to him and his tactics as well, though. Yeah. So we need to stick with him because... A, he's doing a good job. B, if you were to change, you'd have to rip the squad up again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's why that Man City game hurt so much. You know, we were sort of talking about it on, yeah. on the way back and stuff. And um, it just felt like there was nothing going on. It felt like yeah. we lost the changing room. The players yeah. weren't even given enough I effort. Mean, but me and Harry were talking about this. And you you look at the team we played there. It's like just completely different. It's a completely different We had different a back 11. five of... Kalasinac, Chambers, Holding, yeah. yeah. Cedric and... Right. Um, yeah, and I, think, I, yeah. I suppose we don't tell But the fact that I just felt like they weren't putting the effort in. Yeah, you know, there was. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. And Man City are a great side, but that was the lowest point in my whole, you know, sort of watching Arsenal and Arteta. And mm. the way they've rallied since then deserves absolute credit. Every, yeah, yeah. Everyone Unbeaten since we started the podcast, so. Yeah, six, yeah we haven't lost since. Is that right? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. We started yeah. after Norwich, and we haven't lost since. Yeah, going to have to keep it up. What's that? 10 games unbeaten, 6 out of 8 in the league, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Not too bad. Good work. Okay, so Lathy's left us now. He's left us to do our the rest of our Left on Red podcast, and we've got Harry now with his tactical section for the day. Harry, anything to delve into from today? There is something to delve into. I know they weren't playing a three back. You weren't. So we we saw we saw perhaps a slight downgrade of performance in your opinion. I don't know. I just I, I know you're happy when teams play three backs and you get to do your tactical analysis on it. I am, but I'm also happy today. We've got stuff to talk about. So okay, I think we should begin with what Watford did because I think it will tie in nicely to what I'm going to discuss in relation to what we did. So Watford played a four-five-one. Some people will say four-one-four-one. I think it was a four-five. It's essentially the same three thing because it's, it's three midfielders, two wide players. When they were they they, they sat in a four-five-one mm. and they counted in a four-three-three. So the the key was their two wide players. They would look for counter attacks down the wings, mm. and then it would become three in midfield. Yeah. But when they sat with a block of four and a block of five, and then Josh King just chasing our centre backs, so their midfield three in that four-five-one or the 4-1-4-1, the holder was Sissoko and they had two eights. Mm. So those three players were quite wide. The two the two players higher up were quite wide. So I think that was quite important. I think Arteta had analysed that in Ranieri's previous two games. And that will be apparent when I when we discuss what Arsenal did. So on paper it was a 4-4-2 from us, but that was only that was only prevalent when when we were pressing. It was yeah. only a 4-4-2 in a pressing system. It wasn't when we were playing out. When we were playing out, we played out in a 4-3-3. It was a wide 4-3-3 with two really wide number eights. So Ainsley Maitland-Niles was a left number eight. 
Lacazette would drop from being a second striker to a right number eight. He wasn't dropping into ten. It was he was, was really ro- say, wide and ro- right. I was going to say something that I picked up on. Well, both me and my brother picked up on was Lacazette was almost operating the same space as Saka when yeah. our defense had the ball. Yeah, and it's he was just inside of Saka, and so you think that was the four th- it, four. It was four, a four. it was a wide four three three. So the four. two eights were really wide. Four 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 three four. Four three three. Yes. Yeah. And I think the reason Mikel asked um Ainsley to shift from a double pivot to the left eight and Lacas go in and both of them to be really wide was because what in Watford's four five one, their two eights were quite wide. Yeah. So I think by doing that, it caused confusion in Watford's block of five in front of their defence. And he was hoping to then combine down the wings or little through balls over the top, which we saw a few times for, yeah. for Abamyang, etc. Well I thought I thought that maybe the plan was for those sort of wide number eights to pick the ball up a bit more than they were doing and link up with the wingers in I, I think I agree with that because I think they didn't I think actually Lacazette did I think he was superb he created, created lots I, thought, I didn't think he had a great game today I disagree I think that if you were to watch back everything he did he he linked yeah. up really well with Saka who I thought had a really good game one of his best games of the season mm. um, but I think the idea was to rotate and confuse their midfield by rotating between fullback winger and number eight on the right side it's confusing because it was Lacazette as a striker dropping in to be a wide number eight yeah and I thought that at times Lacazette would then go onto the right wing and Saka would come in and play in the inside right space which created confusion and rotation I thought they linked up well and a number of chances we created in the first half came through that and I thought on the left side you saw AZ Maitland-Niles, who was the wide left eight, go to left back. Nuno go to left wing. And yeah. Smith-Rowe come inside to the left eight. And actually, I was critical in the first half of Smith-Rowe. I thought he was pretty average, a bit isolated. And that he didn't come inside enough, which he usually does he off the left. Which he, he should have done. Doing, that was the game plan. And he wasn't really doing as much as he, of his sort of picking up the ball and driving with it. Which Exactly. He did it once needed. or twice. Yeah. And it looked like it needed it. And when he started to pick up central areas, we looked more threatening and... Essentially, we scored a goal through him being just inside in the left channel. Yeah. So that was that was, I think, a result of Arteta analysing how Watford played. Yeah. But I think we lacked a little bit of central pre- um, penetration in the yeah. offensive area. I thought our central sort of hub of the team was Lakonga, who was playing as a six, yeah. single pivot. I thought he actually received the ball and did all the fundamentals really well, receiving off the back yeah. two. But well, I think we we saw sort of what Arteta, I think he was saying it in an interview this week or maybe the week before, just about how Partey, not only is he sort of a, a vital cog of the team, he also makes players around him play better. Yeah, he does. And I think that's probably what we were missing a bit of today. I agree, I agree. I think linking as the number six, Lukonga was really good, but the distribution of pass, the dropping of the shoulder... You can see that Partey's... He's not got the just, same range, has he? He's not got the same range of pass, but not I think yet. he's as cu- as comfortable as Partey receiving the ball in tight yeah, areas yeah. as a number six in between the lines and mm-hmm. just making simple passes from there onwards. Yeah. And then from that 4-3-3 when we were building with the ball, with the wide number eights, we then settled into a 2-3-5 when we were hubbed in their, in their half, penned in their half, should I say. Yeah. So, you, which is different from having the three centre-backs. So it was two centre-backs and then Ainsley and Tomiyasu were, were wide mm. and then Lukong was in the middle and then you had Tavares, Smith-Rowe, Bamiyang, Lacazette, Saka or sometimes Saka inside and Lacazette on the, the, the widest right side of the pitch which is a bit strange yeah. but it seemed to work getting Saka in dangerous areas. Okay. So that, that was good. That was all fine. I don't think we created enough and no, I think we that, really didn't. I think that we missed a little bit of 
central yeah. central creation, which would have worked with this system if our number nine could hold the ball up and link link play up. Yeah, which we've been through many a time. We, we, we don't need to talk about that anymore. We'll get into Aubameyang's performance in the player ratings because it's one of the worst performances I've seen in an Arsenal shirt. I was going to say that I thought it was one of those games that you think maybe if that Saka goal's allowed or, you know, if Aubameyang puts it in from where he made that poor touch, it's one of those games that then just we could have kicked on. Well, from, we, would have won, we would have won that game 4-0 if Aubameyang yeah. hadn't missed or being culpable in three very, very obvious goal-scoring opportunities. But do you know what I mean? Like an early goal sort of changes could, the yeah, landscape yeah, yeah, yeah. of the game, it, but it creates we, more space and it makes the, the crowd less nervy and, you know. Sure. Yeah. And then in the second half, there was a slight change when we built out. It wasn't so much of a wide 4-3-3. He asked Ainsley to be more of a double pivot with Lakonga, which I think saw us centrally dictate the play a little bit more yeah. when we were searching for the goal. Lacazette was still doing the same thing, dropping into that sort of right... Yeah. number eight, number ten space, but you wouldn't have that as high up on the left, which then allowed Smith Rowe to come in. So I thought it was a yeah. good tweak. He, Lacazette does that so well where he just can pick the ball up and he's it, it's sort of, I, I guess, underrated in a sense in the way that he can beat a man. Yeah. I mean, it. it's not with sort of flair and skill, but with the way he uses his, his body, body and yeah. how he can sort of it's also the ball with, through with, that. His, with his touch. Yeah. Players don't anticipate somebody having such a good first touch. Yeah, yeah. Because then you dive in a little bit, but the touch is so good that they're around you. Yeah. I thought that the goal that Saka should have scored, or, or scored, that Aubameyang should have scored, should I say, yeah. had he have not had a really bad touch, if he just finished it first time. I thought that goal, the, the combination play between Maitland-Niles and Lacazette was just delightful, so do creative. Think, do you think Lacazette meant to chip that into Aubameyang, yeah. or do you think he I, meant so I've to seen it, it back. He, 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 he found Aubameyang's path. Right, okay. It was beautiful. It was really nice. Moving into the second half, which we did with the conversation about the midfield dynamic changing just a tad, I was really frustrated by the fact that Lacazette came off and Odegaard came on. It wasn't a personnel thing. It wasn't a tactical thing. It tactically makes sense to change to a 4 2 3 one yeah. half an hour to go just to keep the ball a little bit more with more rhythm. But it's frustrating me that did it's Odegaard a bad come on before the goal was scored? It came on after the goal was scored. After. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, sort of, once we got that first goal, I thought, you know, okay, we might control the game a bit more. It didn't turn out that way. But in the way it turned out, it would have been so much more, uh, what's the word, sort of be beneficial to us. Sure. To have Lacazette up there instead of Aubameyang, someone that can hold it up and yeah. play someone yeah. off him. Because Aubameyang, quite often, like, Ramsdale was picking him out yeah. every time with the goal kicks. Yeah. Aubameyang's touch isn't good enough and if it was good enough on the rare occasion he then can't find or hold the ball up if we had Lacazette playing where Aubameyang played or Aubameyang could do the fundamentals of football control pass have some vision we would be a level above as a team because we'd suddenly have link up play and a zone of the pitch yeah, yeah. that is an additional force yeah. for the other teams to worry I mean, about we know have... that it's a part of the way we play but we don't have the cog to do it yeah. and let what well, we do it's Lacazette but I think it's a political thing if I'm honest because they've backed Bamiang with the big contract Lacazette's contract is running down they want to create this sort of facade that Bamiang's amazing that we love him and that we should want him to be our main striker and that Lacazette keeps on coming off for 20 minutes to go and there's a little bit of disconnect there because he wants to go and they'll They'll paint this picture so that the fan base won't be too upset when Lacazette goes. Mm. But actually, everybody should be absolutely 
I don't know, everybody should be really, really frustrated and distraught about it because this guy is so essential to everything we're doing. Yeah. And he's so good at holding the ball up, linking play, beating a man. He's got the best conversion rate in the Premier League from last season. I don't understand where any criticism comes in with Lacazette. I suppose there is a bit of an argument in terms of taking Lacazette off, in terms of the pressing aspect of our Odegaard. performance and Odegaard, but also uh, the fitness level, because I think Aubameyang is... Well, Aubameyang is faster than... and more agile, yeah. and we know we know the aspect of the game that he does better than Lacazette, which is running in beyond and yeah. better. And pressing. I wouldn't say Lacazette's a bad presser, but Aubameyang... He doesn't do it as When Aubameyang puts in the effort, he can be an exceptional presser. Yeah. But I think I think that's a bit of a mess because I think it's a political decision Mikel's making rather than a... Yeah. But it is a tactical decision. It's ch- just tweaking it from a 4-4-2 on paper to a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. However, I, I'm i starting to get frustrated behind part of the reasoning mm. with that comes with it. And I suppose, you know, it's all speculation, but that's all we can do from the positions that we're in. Should we quickly touch on Watford and cheating? Oh, I hated them. I hated them. Disgraceful, wasn't it? Just the diving. And also, I mean, there were sort of a lot of little fouls that they were doing all over the pitch that teams do do. But Watford were doing it in a way that they were putting the studs down the back of players' legs. And you could see the players were were hurt after those challenges because they were a bit naughty. And it was just typical old-school Italian diving where you go down wait for the other team to kick the ball out and then get straight back up yeah. to waste time when you're the underdog. Yeah. And good riddance on them that we scored a goal from doing that. And thank you to Lacazette for keeping the ball and sustaining yeah, the attack Yeah, I thought he was that. well within his right to do that. Absolutely. Lawfully and sort of, I don't know, ethically, whatever. Yeah. Because they cheated. Their player went down. As soon as yeah. the ball was kicked out by Danny Rose, he got up, all the Arsenal fans booed, rightfully so. And I think Danny Rose probably would have cleared it into touch anyway. Yeah. I mean, the only difference was is that he passed it out instead of lumping it out, as he probably would have done. Yeah, but, and yeah. Ranieri's already got into um, an argument with Arteta, and I'm sure that social media will call us cheats and stuff like that because of the principle of the matter. But actually, yeah. if you really look into it, the amount of times Watford went down with that tactic to get back up as soon as play resumed, or sorry, play the ball went out of play just to waste time. Yeah. We did exactly the right thing. There's no way we should give the ball back when somebody's just doing it to waste time against stuff. It's cheating. Let's dive into player ratings. I'll be asking Lowell this week. We're going to do our top three players, bottom three players, opposition's best player. We'll obviously chat about Mikel. And this week we're going to include the ref because I think he had a bit of a shaky bit performance. Of a, shocker. a slight shocker. Yeah. So start start with the low. Who are our bottom three players from third worst to worst? Okay. Um, third worst, I will go for... I'm not sure there were three disastrous performances. No, I, I think, think there was there one disastrous three performances. Three disastrous performances. Maybe I'd go... No, do you know what? I'm just going to go... There was... there was The disastrous performance was from Aubameyang. Couldn't do anything right today. Uh, was Performance-wise, holding up the ball, linking yeah. play. His touch. His everything. touch, which which was the reason that we didn't get the first goal from Saka. It all went wrong. Missed a penalty. Decided yeah. to be selfish and nicked a goal on the line from Odegaard. Yeah. It, it all went wrong for him. And, you know, I, I think I'd give him a two or three out of ten. I don't even know whether you get the two from him. I mean... I just, mean just for being there. Just, just, just for, for showing Just up. for wearing the armband, maybe. Yeah. I think just surely Arteta's got to drop him and, and stop bothering with him. No, I don't think he'll drop him. It, it was a, no, I don't it think was, he will, but surely he should. Oh, I don't know. It was just... It was a really bad off day for him. But, you know, we've we've seen 
sort of not as much as we should, but we've seen that Aubameyang can have a really, really big influence on that team, like at home to Aston Villa, like at home to Tottenham. Uh, I'm not convinced. Anyway, let's go into your top three. My top three, I'd go third. Third, third, I'd go Ben White. I thought he had a really, really good game. I agree. Made a really good block. Um, Anticipation again, as we've always touched on. Made a really good block at the end. Um, Driving out nicely. Driving out and is playing out from the back. uh, Was really good. So I think I'd give him a 7 out of 10. Sure. Um, Second, I would go for Nuno. I thought Nuno was really, really good against Lou. I think he had multiple bad first touches. Which essentially got their player um, a red card in the end. I mean, yeah. it wasn't a foul. He took but it's just, I, I just, I just love his energy and how quick so he I. is and how quick he covers. Um, and he's, he, you know, he's really good one-on-one defending. And I thought he really didn't get caught out by Ismail Assar, uh, which I was quite worried about before the game. So I think I'd put him as my second best. Okay. And then man the match I'd give to make the Nuz. Okay, so I agree with Ben White three. I would have. Bakayo Saka number two, I thought he was exceptional today. Kept okay. on, he had Danny Rose on toast. Yeah, as Kept, he should, to be fair. As he should, but he did, and he yeah. was looking threatening, and you know, he should have had a goal to his name today. Really, really good performance, I thought, one of his best this season. Okay. And then I think I agree with Ainsley, number one, I yeah. thought. Just the composure, the technical ability to change direction. And the sort of, the, the mental strength to come back into the team after everything that happened in the summer, and also being on the bench for a lot of the season, and being able to come into that midfield and just really play really Not well. looking out of place at all? No. Not As if all. we didn't even miss Partey or Lukonga yeah. being where Ainsley was. Yeah. So I think I'd give him a 9 out of 10 and maybe Nuno an 8. Uh, 7.5 for Nuno. Okay, sure. Okay, so opposition's player of the match. Was there one? Foster? Yeah, yeah. to be fair, probably Foster. Made a few saves. Made, made a few really good saves. Pen save, you know, it was a poor pen, but... Made a really good save from a corner and then from a Laconga shot as well. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, probably Van Foster. Mikel today? Mikel today, I'd give a seven. I thought maybe there was something to be said for maybe that substitution with Odegaard coming on for it's not, For uh, me, for it wasn't Lacazette. Odegaard coming on, it was Lacazette yeah. coming off. Uh, but also, I think maybe there could have been a slight system tweak at half-time, um, given sure. the way the game was going. Sure, I agree. And then finally, let's end on the ref. Shocker. Shocker. I saw that Watford made 19 fouls, had two bookings. Arsenal made six fouls, had two bookings. Like, how, how does that work? By half-time. Yeah. It's just laughable, isn't it? Like, anyway. I mean, I, I was saying to you earlier, I think that actually some of his first decisions giving us um, yellow cards or free kicks yeah, were yeah. correct. Our two yellow our, cards were fine. I'm not, yeah, I'm not annoyed Yeah, but that. I think the Arsenal fans got onto him for yeah. that, as, as all fans do. But then we also and had then, two more yellow cards in the second half, which were just disgraceful. No, of course, but I'm saying, I think after that, after the Arsenal fans getting onto the refs back, yeah, yeah. He, he then, then sort of crumbled and started giving everything as yellows for yeah. both teams that just weren't yellows. And how did Danny Rose not get a booking? I know. That's what I mean. He kept on fouling Saka. Yeah. Anyway. So in this week's instalment of Whatever Happened To, we're going to be talking about Igor Stepanov. So he's not as ancient as most of the players of the matches that we discuss in this section. No. 
But there's a funny story and there's a bit of sort of insight that not many people know about that we've been told by Lathy. Yeah, it was a suggestion from Lathe and Serge, so thanks to them. For thanks that. to those guys. I think in commemoration of not in commemoration, that's a that's a past tense, isn't it? Yeah. In celebration of our partnership with Laguna Fanzine, yeah. we think it's only right that they have a little little shout in this section this week. Mm. So Igor Stepanov, he signed for Arsenal in, in two thousand. We needed a new defender. I think he could play centre-back and right-back. He was Latvian, by the way. Tony Adams had an injury, so Arsenal Wenger was on the look for, for good young talent, and he'd done some good stuff. I think he won five or six Latvian first divisions, right. and he was only young. So he brought him on trial, and the sort of funny story that Lathy was telling us earlier was that Ray Parler told them down the pub one time that he was so bad in Arsenal training making rash tackles bad passes loose touches that the Arsenal team decided to, to take the mick out of him every time he did something bad they would clap him mm. to make him think that he was doing really well and apparently Dennis was involved in this and Bergkamp Lee Dixon all, players like they were that. all they were all taking the piss and it was really funny <laughs> but Wenger didn't realise I don't know how he's not realised because he must have been watching the he's, he's a clever man as he's well. A clever, as maybe he wasn't saying. watching it. He was just he, Maybe he just liked the enthusiasm from the team. He didn't realise it was a joke and he thought for team bonding he should sign him. But Wenger took the clapping quite literally and ended up signing the geezer. He bought him for £1.35 million and he started the season all right. He scored in the League Cup. He got his way into the team. Yeah. Played in a few matches in Tony Adams' place until Man United away in a crucial game on course for the Premiership title. We got trounced 6-1. He had an absolute shocker. And he didn't play for the rest of the season. Now, he got himself back into the team for a few games. I think for five appearances in the following season. Which usually wouldn't be enough to win a Premier League title. Medals title. Winner's medals title. Uh, Which usually wouldn't be enough to get a Premier League winner's medal. There we go. Not title. Medal. Medal. Nice. But it was because on the final game of the season at Old Trafford, he was uh, on the bench. Okay. So he was there for the ceremony, so they gave him one. So he's technically so a Premiership winner. Oh one oh two. Oh okay, right. And he went on to win the cup with us in oh one oh two and in oh two oh three. So he's won three big trophies with us. Oh. But not really been involved. And he was a bit of a laughing stock. However, he was the Latvian player of the season in two thousand and five. How what was his competition like? I don't know, I don't know any players from Latvia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think he's only one of five Latvian players to play in the Premier League. Yeah, but I think it's quite a nice story because I think this story is a bit more well-known. I think Ray Parler told it actually publicly, this one, about Kolo Ture. Arsenal Wenger loved doing trials with these defenders back in the early 2000s and Kolo Ture was another one. And I think there must must be something about a player's spirit which Arsenal Wenger signed people on because Kolo Ture has gone studs into Arsenal Wenger Mm. a fair few times in his first few training sessions. And he signed him based off that passion. Most managers might have, might have wanted to never see that player again after taking yeah, him out. But, but there's, there's something about Arsene and signing defenders yeah, based yeah. off bad trials that, mm. that was sort of pro- prominent in that period. worked out a bit better than... No, he, he was good. He was, he, was, he was crucial in the Invincibles title, wasn't he? Yeah. Talking of Arsene, I'm actually going to a um, charity event with him tomorrow. Are you? Well, I'm going with my dad, but David Dean's is this, is interviewing this Arsene. Is this to see the new documentary? No, it's just a, just a charity thing. Oh, that's lovely. I'm yeah. a bit jealous. I fun. can't wait for the documentary to come out, by the way. Yeah, it's meant to be really good. Okay, so it is 6-4 to Harry in the quiz stakes, and this is the last one before we go off 
on our international break. I mean, we're not going anywhere, but... No, we'll be right here. But yeah, so it's the last quiz of this little section. Yeah, so let's get going. So the first one, Watford beat Arsenal in the FA Cup quarterfinal a few years ago. What year? 2016. No, I thought that was a question. What year? Oh, no, no, no. no, no, no. 2016. Uh, so what was the score? Yeah, and who scored Arsenal's goal? Yeah, got it. Next. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was there, I remember this game. Okay, given that we've got Anfield next, who were the two debut scorers when Arsenal won 2 0 at Anfield in 2012? Debut scorers and assisters, actually. They both scored and assisted. They both other. scored and assisted each other, yeah. I know one, and then there's a choice between two. See, I have a nightmare that I'm, I'm going to miss Podolski out again after the Tottenham question a few episodes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think it was Giroud. I know Santi scored one. Oh, was it Giroud or Podolski? Going to push you for an answer now. I've missed out Podolski once. Why don't I miss him out again? Okay. And last one, given Aubameyang missed his penalty today. Name three... So there are five Arsenal players who have missed their only Arsenal competitive Arsenal penalty, not including shootouts. Can you name three of them? It's a massive stitch up. Oh, in penalty shootouts? No, no, not in penalty shootouts. They're only... In their Arsenal careers? Yeah. They only took one penalty in their Arsenal careers. It's a shocking question from you. I thought it was quite good. No, it's a good question in the sense that it's impossible for me to think of. I'm going to go with some random names here, conceding this point. Cool. Okay, so the score and the scorers, uh, the scorer of the two... Well, <laughs> well it was 2-1 to okay. Watford. And um, Danny Welbeck scored. Okay. Yeah. Could you could you name Watford's scorers? No. No? Well, Igalo no. scored one. I can't remember. Oh, Igalo. What do you mean Igalo? Of course not. I actually yeah. do remember that. Okay, so the two debut scorers. Cadola. Yeah. Giroud? Nope. Podolski? <laughs> Doesn't matter anyway, I've won this week. Yeah, you have. Uh, okay, three or five Arsenal players. Yeah, I had no clue. I couldn't think of anything, so I've gone for some random names just to spice this episode up a bit. Okay. We go Baptista. What? Was he actually won? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sweet. Um, Flamini? No. No, okay, it would be really strange if I got all three. Yeah. And Ray Parler? No. No. He took more than one penalty, mate. Yeah, I know, but I we spoke uh, about him earlier, so I thought yeah, it would go. Lee Dixon, Paul Merson, Theo Walcott, Baptista, Rizicki. Walcott's only scored... Yeah. I was actually thinking Rizicki, and I actually thought Paul Merson as well. Yeah. But Baptista, that's good. Yeah. So that rounds up our quiz for this yeah. section of games. And we're going to go to Nando's off this, yeah. so I'll buy you some chips. Oh, or that's something. nice of you. I think I won this section 7-6. Yeah. All right. Okay, so time for this week's PL Roundup, and we've actually just watched West Ham beat Liverpool to keep our Invincibles record intact. Massive. Intact is yours gold. Is it gold? No, it isn't. No, it's not gold. I'll tell you that for a bag of chips. Cool, blimey. I'm happy with that. Very happy with that. Very pleased for West Ham. Yeah. And we're two off Liverpool now. We're two off Liverpool, three off West Ham and City, six off Chelsea. I mean, nobody thought we'd be six off first place in in November. No. I mean, this is ridiculous. Not that we're looking for first place with the state of our squad right no, now. No, but you'd but be... You, you, always, you always get excited, don't you? you also, you know, if, if we finish the season six points off the top, you'd imagine that we might be somewhere in and around the top four. Well, exactly, and also that some big players might come next season. Yeah, might so 
might, what that we, might be what it takes to convince them. What but, do we have this weekend? So the we early got some games. was United got trounced by City. Actually, we were talking earlier, Man City completed the most amount of passes in any Premier League game in history since Opta Record started, but it would have been... Their rivals that would, that's irrelevant. It would have been in history. At Old Trafford. Ridiculous. They were amazing. It was United it was like a death so by th- poor. it was like a death by a thousand cuts compared to Liverpool yeah. who Liverpool who just, just went for the jugular yeah um, and yeah City just chanced them and then at three o'clock what did we have we had I saw Burnley I saw Burnley's goal I turned on the, for the second half that Chelsea oh, yeah. game they nicked a point away yeah. that's really good it's Chelsea blown were the title quite poor race as well the title race and the top four race has been blown wide open this week but weekend. also we were saying that Chelsea have really only played the relegation candidates quite recently in the last sort of month they've only played yeah bottom three or four in the league and Malmo in the Champions League. Yeah, so, you know, dropping points to Burnley isn't ideal for them. No, it isn't. Norwich won their first game of the season and then sacked their manager. Yeah, they don't do wins, do they? (laughs) No, No. we don't do that here. And then uh, Crystal Palace are flying. They are flying. Well, well, three wins all season's not flying. No, I know, but they've played played eight of the top ten. Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing well and they're on a really good path, I think. And I think they play good football as well. Sure, yeah. Um, And I like Patrick, obviously. Obviously. Uh, Brighton, Newcastle, one all. Lewis Dunk went in goal for a bit. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Uh, But apart from that, it was a kept more clean sheets than to be fair than the big goalkeepers this weekend. Yeah, yeah, big time. And then today we had we beat Watford one 0 and then Everton nil Spurs nil. I haven't seen any of highlights. I mean, two, from that. two pretty crap teams. Yeah, just got mid, it got mid, it written all over it. Mid table, mid table clash. I, look, then, I looked at the possession stats and some of the stats for for Leeds Leicester. It seemed like Leeds actually had a lot more of the ball. Yeah, but both both two quite exciting teams. Yeah, the draw's decent for us. And then yeah, I mean Harvey Barnes just equalised straight after Rafinha scored, and that was an, it for that game. What an incredible game at the London Stadium! West Ham are flying. Yeah, we They're actually so, I, I, we watched the first we didn't half get to watch the second half, and then we didn't watch the second half because so, we were here recording. So but, we watched the highlights of the second half, but the first half wasn't that impressive from West Ham. It was no. nick a really strange early goal. Yeah, and they just then sat defend, back. and then Alexander and then, Arnold scored a peach of a free kick. Such a good postage stamp. It was such, such lovely player. dippage on it. Uh, are there any games on Monday? Actually, week? your dad was saying to me with the Alexander Arnold free kick that West Ham's wall was really high, apart from Jared Bowen. So by doing the little two-yard pass to Salah and back, yeah, they yeah. shifted the walls that Alexander Arnold yeah, was actually really over clever. Bowen. Really usually, clever I think they're, uh, usually, I think those are pointless. Yeah, but then when you think about it like that, it actually it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No Monday games this week. The FA Cup though got Dagenham and Redbridge versus Salford on Monday. If you're interested well, we love that. in that. Grassroots football. I mean, that's not grassroots football, but lower league footballs. It's good to good to watch sometimes. Yeah, and then we've got another international break. But we're going into this international break on on really good form, and after a series of really good results for us. Yeah, this again, weekend. again, it's happening. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Left on Red podcast. We'll try and bring you an international break special and yeah, come up with a different say, format. Let's, um, let's try and get that. Maybe I'll see if my dad wants to come on or sure. something it, like that. In the meantime, we'd like to thank Lathy and Serge for our partnership with the Guna fanzine. Go go follow them on all social media accounts. Yeah. Watch their YouTube channel. We're going to be doing some work with them. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be some clips from the podcast up on there quite soon. So. They do some really good articles, so we'll put a link in the description below. Yeah. And yeah, go buy one. Sweet. Take care, guys.